Well, thank you for being here tonight. And again, my hope and prayer is as we celebrate this Christmas season, the coming of Jesus, that my prayer is that something that we celebrate every year that has all these different memories to it would become something new and fresh. That's what I hope every year is that this moment becomes something new and fresh, something alive and something powerful for you. And, and so I'm going to lower this down a little bit, Kate, so I can see you and Ryder because you're also good looking. But um, I want to take some time and, and tonight just recognize as we dive in, we're going to have some response, uh, some responsive reading tonight. When we be pastor, that's going to be me and congregation is going to be you. One of them I've duplicated and so we'll be doing it a couple different times. My hope and prayer each time that we do the responsive reading so often, I don't know if you grew up with responsive reading, but it's one of those that you can just be thinking about getting it right, right? Because you know, it's that awkward moment like, am I going to talk at the right time? I'm going to talk too late and you feel this like awkward piece. And I just want to say, you just go at your pace, right? If we're just all talking in different places, that's fine. But the heartbeat tonight is not to get it right in the sense of how you communicate it, but to allow the words to penetrate your heart. That's the heartbeat of what we're getting at in responsive reading is that in speaking this truth about Jesus, that these things will come alive. And so again, tonight, be a call to a worship. We'll do it several different times. We'll do the pastor part, and then again, I'll be speaking that in the congregation piece. I'll be speaking that with you just to help along the way. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this. And so, Father, we just say, come now and have your way in us, among us, and through us tonight, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Here we go. Pastor me. We have experienced light and peace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we remember Jesus and the story of his birth. Jesus is our king. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Jesus is the truth. In Jesus we shall forever live. Jesus is our life. I want to read to you a familiar, a very familiar scripture. This is the story from Luke of Jesus and his birth, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. And lying in a manger, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his his favor rests. Tonight, I, I want us to see the shepherds as representatives of all humanity. 
I want you to imagine. They're just human beings like you imagine. Maybe you're the shepherds. Maybe you're the one who is out watching the sheep. Maybe if we were to put it in modern-day terms, you're just sitting here on the night shift, late at work, right? Not a whole lot's going on around you, just waiting for the sun to come up so you can go home like the shepherds. And all of a sudden, in the moment, you have these angelic beings, glory shining, right? They're just living their life, going through the motions, and God then interjects himself into the moment with the plan of with the plan, God interjecting with the plan of changing the world as they knew it. The angels, the angels call it good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is good news to them. He's coming in the moment, right? And the shepherd's response to this good news is understandable. They're terrified in the moment. This unexpected sight and the fear for their life, because they've never seen anything like this. This moment was foreign and unknown. It was otherworldly and so far outside of their experience that they did not know what to do. They were rocked to the core of their being. But in this moment, a moment we would all experience the same way, the messenger calms them. He invites them to leave the place they have been to leave the sheep and to go find the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would set them free, right? The one who set them free from suffering, pain, and death of the world in which they lived. All of them have been waiting for the Messiah. The language of the Messiah was something that everyone knew. Everyone was expecting a Savior, one who would come. They were expecting a warrior king. Obviously, we know Jesus came a little bit differently, but all of them were anticipating this moment. And the shepherds, they leave. They run. They go to this place, right, and say, we've got to see for our own eye, with our own eyes and for our own selves what the angels have said to see if it is true. This was news of great joy if it was true. This was news that would bring great peace again if it's true. And the message had its origin with the shepherds in the field that night, right? That's where it began. And its message, we believe, is for us right now. We believe it's for tomorrow. We believe it's for every day. Every day. As we give ourselves to following Jesus, we believe that he is the Savior. We believe that he is our Savior, who's, who brings, his life brings good news of great joy. We talked about it during the Advent season, this unending hope and joy and peace and love that's available for all of us who believe. It's like a, it's like a bottomless well that we can always draw from at every single moment of our day. He is faithful. And he doesn't just come once 2,000 years ago, and he's not just coming tomorrow, sometime in the future, but every single day as we awake, we believe he comes to meet us with the well of hope, the well of peace and joy and of love that's available to us. That's what he saves us from, honestly, is a life separated from these things. It's why he came, so we could walk in the fullness of the attributes and characteristics that define who God is. Do you see him that way? When you think of God, do you think him as being the one who's full of hope that brings joy and peace and love? Or do you see him differently, more with an angry scowl or maybe with judgment in his eyes? That's just not who he is. If that's how you view him, unfortunately, it's for you, that's just not true. And that's freeing at the same time. This was the news of great joy. He is Emmanuel. We sang it. He is God with skin on to be with us, 
who then, when he leaves the earth, sends his spirit to be with us every single day. It's good news of great joy. Emmanuel, the question, will you respond tonight as the shepherds did? The shepherds left and they ran to Jesus. And that's the heartbeat of tonight, our call to worship. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. Praise be to God who has heard our cries. Our soul sings out God's praise. God has brought us a light of hope and peace. Tonight in this place, the light of God's love is given to us. And we shall see that light and let it shine through our lives. Amen. Back in the fall, we studied Paul's letter to his good friend Titus, who was pastoring the church on the island of Crete. And in this, he, remember in chapter 2, he comes and he, he speaks the truth of the gospel message, really what Christmas is all about. He says this, for the grace of God has appeared. Basically, you haven't done anything to earn this. You haven't worked hard enough to make it happen. God, in his great love, with great mercy, he poured it out. So for, great, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ at the second coming who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, a people who are eager to do what is good. That's the message of Christmas. It's the message of salvation, and it's the message of God desiring to be in relationship with us. We talked about it actually at the 4 o'clock service, the story of humanity that finds its, its first major conflict in Genesis chapter 3, where human beings, man and woman, chose sin and then sin entered into the world. In that moment, perfection was lost. Brokenness entered and death became a part of our existence. We've talked before that death is a gift from God because that means we don't have to live forever in a broken world, but we can then live in perfection with him, right? But it was not supposed to be so. It was introduced into the world, and all of a sudden there was separation between God and humanity. Scripture tells us that sin is a powerful weapon. It's wielded by the enemy, again, to keep us separated from God. And Scripture tells us that we cannot conquer sin in our lives by self and by ourselves. We we need someone to come and to save us, someone to come and to interject because we are too weak. That's the story of the entire Old Testament. If you want to sum up the Bible in just a couple of sentences, it's very easy. God created human beings to live in perfection, but we sinned and sin entered the world. And then for years, human beings in their own power tried to live sinless but couldn't do it. And so Jesus came to live that sinless life on our behalf. And then all who believed in him, he would say, now I then give you my life for your life. And so when God sees you, he sees the sinless being because of my work done on the world. 
That's the whole Bible. But sin entered, and Scripture tells us that we can't conquer sin. Salvation, though, is available to us for all who who believe, and it's a gift of grace, according to verse 11 here in Titus 2. It's into this tension that Jesus entered the world. He left perfection to come to a fallen world to be our Savior so we could live in relationship with him forever. A people, in verse 14, that are his very own. People say, why did Jesus come? Well, he wanted to come to earth. It's the way he chose so that every single one of us would understand that Jesus lived a human life. He experienced the same hardships. He experienced loss and death. He experienced moments of great despair. He came face to face with hopelessness and fear. And in that moment, he's able to say to each of you, hey, I understand your struggles. He literally was tempted in every single way that human beings are tempted, but he was without sin. He's able to say, I feel, I felt what you feel. I understand what you're walking through. I've walked a mile in your shoes. And I understand I have compassion for you, and I can save you. He is a good God who wants us to be his very own. Our call to worship. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. Praise be to God who has heard our cries. Our souls Our souls sing out God's praise. God has brought us a light of hope and peace. Tonight in this place, the light of God's love is given to us. And we shall see that light and let it shine through our lives. Amen. The prophet Isaiah, many years before the coming of Jesus, like many of the other prophets of old, spoke of a time of when the Messiah would come and spoke about what his life would look like and even what he would would look like and what his life would look like. He says this in Isaiah chapter 9, chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. It says, the people walking in darkness, that's us in the world, have seen a great light on those living in the land of Deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want to read some of these words that speak to the nature 
of who the Messiah is, of, of who Jesus is, of how he relates to you, how he relates to your oppressor, how he relates to the brokenness of our world. It says that government will be on his shoulders. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the world will be in a mess. But we stand confident that he is moving behind the scenes. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a God who looks upon our lives, recognizing our need for wise counsel, and he gives that. Maybe that's where you are tonight. He is the mighty God. He is not to be messed with, not to be trifled with. He is mighty, all-powerful. Remember, Isaiah says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe just in and of itself filled the temple. He was majestic and powerful and mighty. He is the everlasting Father. I don't know about you, but I love the, the word everlasting, and I love the idea of him being that type of father. He never ceases being, and he never has a moment of pullback. He is the everlasting, never-ending at all times. At every moment of your life, the father, the parent who loves you, comes alongside of you and fights for you. He is the prince of peace. The unending, never-ending well we can draw from of peace. He is the prince and the king over it. It's beautiful. His peace will have no end. He will reign on David's throne. And all that means is David's throne represents the, basically being uh, the ruler over all of humanity. He will be that. He is the one who reigns, who doles out justice and righteousness from that time forevermore. And I love the words here. It's such so powerful. It says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. His zeal. He has passion. Have you ever been zealous about something passionate, so passionate about something that you're willing to make a fool of yourself, to die for because it's so powerful? It this, this God has this type of zeal. Think about those just God love them crazies who literally in negative five degree temperatures of the next football game tomorrow up north, they're going to be fans wearing no shirt, face painted with horns of helmets on their head, cheering for their team from the very beginning to the very end, getting hypothermia and they just don't care. It's a terrible way to analogy, you know, to have analogy for Jesus, but that's what he's like, Right. Sometimes it's helpful to put Jesus in that type of imagery. Zeal and passion, crazy, but not, right? Because he's not. He's just so zealous and passionate to do all of these things. Let's go to our next responsive reading. It says, in everything... You shatter the yoke of our burdens. I want you to feel these. In everything, you break the power of our oppressors. In everything, you rule over world governments. In everything, you will be a wonderful counselor. In everything, you will be our mighty God. In everything, you will be our everlasting Father. In everything, 
You will be our Prince of Peace in everything. You will exercise justice in everything. You are the light of the world. Christmas is about God's love for humanity. Making it personal, it's about God's love for you and for me, for your children, for your grandchildren, your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, your parents, whatever it may be. Christmas is about God fighting for justice against the things and the ones who oppress you. Christmas is about salvation and the availability of salvation for all who are walking lost in darkness. Christmas is good news for everyone. I love the angels saying it's good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's the point for tonight. Christmas is good news for everyone who believes. Who believes that Jesus is who he said he was. That he is living today. That he lived and he died and he was raised from the grave. And that all who would believe in him and give their lives to him would then live forever with him. Who would have an unending, an unending Ability to engage peace, hope, and love, and joy, and life. The people who are his people, who he fights for, who fights the oppressors. My conviction from experience is clear. Jesus is real. He is Lord. He is the only one who can save us from ongoing pain, suffering, and sorrow experienced in our fallen world. I was praying last week, and I may have told some of you this, but I was praying, and, and I was just praying and talking to the Lord about just the season and things to go after. And I felt like God said, clear as day, Steve, I want you to sit down with your girls, and I want you to walk them through every miracle and moment that you and I have ever had together since you gave your life to Jesus when you were nine years old. And I told my girls a few days ago, I said, hey, I want to sit down with you. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. I want to tell you every story. I want to tell you every story of a leg that I watched grow when I prayed for them, every ear that was open when we prayed. I want to talk about every moment when someone's back went straight, who'd been was able to bend down and touch their toes for the first time in years. I want to tell every story of God speaking in a moment prophetically. I want to tell you every story of every moment of leading someone to Jesus or my own personal prayer time and how God was so alive to me. I found myself weeping and crying and laughing all at the same time. I can't and explain it because he's so good and he's so alive and he's so real and he's not distant and he's not far off. And I don't know what the world's going to tell you, but I feel like God is telling me to tell you my stories so that when someone says he's not real, you at least have my voice behind you saying, well, my dad said, because he's that real. And he's that alive and he's that good and he's so kind and compassionate and loving. This is the Jesus. This isn't just a holiday. It is a holiday, a holy day, a day separated by God from the beginning of time so that he could come to earth because he loves us, because he wants to set us free. He wants to save us because he is so forced. He can't imagine living for eternity without you. This is the beauty of Christmas. It's why he came. It truly is a holy, a holy day. The invitation tonight is simple. 
receive and hear the good news and believe. And these things will be yours for eternity. I want to speak this one again, our responsive reading, and I want you to hear it. I want you to embrace it. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. Praise be to God who has heard our cries. Our souls sing out God's praise. God has brought us a light of hope and peace. Tonight in this place, the light of God's love is given to us. And we shall see that light and let it shine through our lives. Tonight as the worship team comes, we're going to light our candles, write a representation, a picture of these, this moment of God's movement, right? This, mo- this moment of God breaking light into darkness. Hope for us because he is for us. I will need help because some of you are sitting out further from the light. Don't let your children get burned. And just recognize sometimes the wax goes through these and hits your hand, right? It shows you really love Jesus. Okay. So as I light this tonight, as we sing these songs, I want you to remember in lighting it, I want you to look around and see the light. I want you to see it, recognize this is the light of the world. It's a representation of the love of Jesus for you. As you light that candle, recognize and remember the moment of your salvation. For those of you who are Christians here tonight, remember there's a moment of your salvation, the moment of God's breakthrough, the moment where all of a sudden your darkness turned into light. We're not just having candlelight service because it's the cool thing to do on Christmas Eve, although it is pretty cool. We're doing it because we believe the light of Jesus is real. We believe he's for you. And as we sing, again, familiar songs tonight, I want you to imagine Jesus looking over you just with a smile on his face. So I light this candle tonight. Father, you are the light of the world and we love you. And we say, Jesus, come and have your way tonight.